you to turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians. Um, in these Bibles, it's essentially one page, so it's after Philippians, before Thessalonians. Uh, page 653. Uh, I also want to say that I hope you guys enjoyed um, that poem. I think, well, I, I said this to the team beforehand as we were praying for the service um, when Andreas uh, had sent that over to me and we talked about playing it. I really like it because uh, some of you guys know I'm not the most artistic person and that I like things sort of in order and I like things done a certain way. And, and when I see an expression of worship like that, it motivates me. It motivates me to praise God in new ways and in different ways and to try new things. And so I also want to extend the invitation to any of you. If there's any of you have art that you're a fan of or, or spoken word poetry, anything like that that you think can honor and glorify God, um, let us know. We, we want to make this service a service where not only are you using the gifts God's given you, but we are worshiping God in a myriad of ways. Just because we've done something doesn't mean it's the best or the right way to do it. What matters most is the heart behind it. And so if there is something you are passionate about, if there is something that matters to you, if there is something that motivates you, let us know. Uh, we want to share it with the church, and we want to experience it together. Uh, and so I hope this poem and this, this spoken word poem challenged you. Uh, I hope it brought something up inside of you. I know it certainly did with me. So tonight, uh, we begin a series in the book of Colossians. Um, it's, it's a short epistle, as you can see in, the, in these. It's just, it's just four chapters, just one page. Uh, but it's full of a lot of really good stuff. And so I'd like to start by giving you a little bit of introduction to the book of Colossians. Uh, first, if you're not aware of the city, it is in central Turkey, uh, modern-day Turkey. And um, it is a city that the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to, but had never been to. Uh, we'll get to that in a little while. He says, I haven't met you yet, but, and talks about some things. And the Apostle Paul hadn't been there, but it was a church that um, when, when, when Paul and Timothy, we spoke about Timothy a lot in the fall, going through First and Second Timothy. When Paul and Timothy were preaching in Ephesus, one of the leaders from Ephesus went to Colossae, the name of the city, and planted a church and started a church there. And so this is the church that has grown out of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and he has decided while he's in prison to write them a letter to encourage them, to build up the church. And, and someone asked me, you know, why do we go through an entire book of the Bible? Why, why don't we just sort of catch the highlights of a book of the Bible? Or why don't we do it? And, and I just want to encourage you tonight that we don't just want to talk about things, we want to study. We want to know, we want to be able to talk about the book of Colossians or talk about the letter, because it is just a letter Paul wrote to them and know what the theme is and the big idea, and be able to go through and understand what Paul was teaching. And so on the one hand, we do want to talk. We want to get to know each other. We want to have conversations about who Jesus is and what that means to us, but we also want to study this book. And so when we go, we haven't done it since the fall, but for the next two months, two and a half months, we're going to go verse by verse through Colossians, and we're going to study it. And we're going to study what Paul was teaching this church and find out what it can mean and what it matters to us. And so as I said, this is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in a small town in Turkey. 2,000 years ago almost. And I've titled this talk tonight, Never Ceasing Confidence. Uh, and we'll get to why. But first I just want to mention confidence. It's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? it it's a good thing to have, but certainly not too much of it. If we have too much confidence, we're then perceived as arrogant. 
We have to find, and we don't want to be these meek, quiet individuals who don't have any confidence. You know, if you meet someone with no confidence, you sort of want to speak up, you know, share your mind, share your heart, what's wrong with you? And then if you meet someone who's too arrogant at the same time, it's sort of, oh, that person is so frustratingly arrogant. We want to have confidence. It's good in job interviews, presentations, meeting people, relationships. Uh, It's good for dating. It's good for uh, all different things. It's contagious. A A confident person is a contagious person. You know, we all know people who walk into a room and immediately they sort of command presence in the room. And everyone knows they're there. It's a good thing. It's contagious. It's, it's, it's something we want. And in the same way, we run across this a lot in Scripture, we're called to be confident in our faith. We're called to stand firm for what we believe in. So where does this confidence come from? How do we get confidence as Christians? That's what I want to talk about. I think Scripture is full of great uh, guides, great uh, details on how to attain godly confidence, maturity, strength in our faith. And I think Paul's introduction to his letter to the Colossian church is a perfect example of how to gain confidence in our faith. How to be self-assured and stand tall knowing what we believe in and knowing why. And so, if you'll please join with me, the the text will be on the screen, but also in the Bible in front of you. uh, Please join with me in reading the first 14 14 verses of the book of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, we know Timothy, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it had been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It only gets better from here, the book of Colossians. It gets really good. I'm really excited. Paul starts off really strong. In verse 1 to 2, he starts with an introduction. He says, you know, hey, in the name of Jesus, I greet you. Me and Timothy, you know us. We're greeting you. We know Timothy from our fall study. Young pastor in Ephesus with the Apostle Paul. And and then he goes into verses 3 through 8, and just 
gives some greetings and some background. He says, we know this guy, Epaphras, was a leader and the pastor of this church and that he heard the gospel in Ephesus and he took it to Colossae and is sharing it with you all to grow the church. And we know the gospel is doing great things there. We've heard about you. We know about what God's doing there. He's basically just saying to the church, hey, keep up the good work. You guys are doing great. Just like the rest of the world, you guys are bearing fruit. You guys are growing. You guys are getting stronger. Keep it up. You know, just in our own personal life, we must remember that this was, before it was the Word of God, was a letter. How great is it when we write each other letters and notes? How great is it when you get a letter, a card, a thank you note for no reason, just saying thank you for being you? Thank you for doing the things you're doing. Have you ever had someone say to you, like the Apostle Paul says here, I thank God for you. Man, it feels good. Man, it feels full. Paul's encouraging these people. He's building them up, and he says, I thank God for you. I appreciate you. You guys are doing good stuff. He says, you are part of a movement happening around the world. The same gospel that's growing in Colossae, that's spreading like fire there, is spreading around the world. Keep going. Keep going. And then in verses 9 through 14, which is really what I want to focus on more tonight, he gives us a great outline and a template for how we too can find confidence, how we too can grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes from just sort of general praying of encouragement and general prayer for them to specific prayers, to what we would call intercessory prayer. To say, I'm going to pray for you for these things, for your future. Right? So it's one thing to say to a friend, oh, hey, I'm going to pray for you. Right? Or I'm going to pray for a certain circumstance. It's another thing when we go to someone in prayer and say, I'm going to pray for this for you. I'm going to pray for this for your future. I'm going to pray for maturity, for right thinking, for godly wisdom, and that God would give you this wisdom through the Spirit. Not only is this a great way to find confidence in our faith, but it's a great way for for us to learn how to pray for one another, how to pray for ourselves. Let me remind you, you, if, if you're not familiar with the verse, in the very next book, Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church, he says in chapter 5, verse 17, he says that we should pray without ceasing or pray continually. The Apostle Paul didn't say this because he thought it might be a good idea to pray for each other. He didn't think it was a good idea if you have time to pray for each other. He said, no, brothers and sisters in Christ, you should lift each other up in prayer continually. And this is how you ought to do it. He says, when you pray, because we should be praying for each other. And so he starts in verse 9, and Paul says, listen, he says, I continually pray for you. He says, for since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Since the day we heard about your church, we have not stopped praying for you. You know, we had in the fall, Andrew Goodman talking about the churches in the Shan in northern Thailand and, and talking about the churches there. He's going to be back at the end of May sharing with us about details and new things happening there in, in, in the churches. I mean, these are the kind of things that we, we should hear about these churches growing in the jungles and we should not stop praying for them. We should hear about the underground church in China and in the Middle East and and not stop praying for them. 
Paul says, I'm continually, in verse 9, asking God for you. I'm continually asking God for what? That you would have spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. What does that mean? You know, many of us know what it's like to go through life just reacting, right? To where we just feel like life is coming at us like a barrage, and we're just sort of trying to react to each individual thing as it hits us. I I think spiritual reaction is the opposite of that. See, sometimes we're, we're forced. A lot's happening, life happens to us, and so we're just reactionary. How do I respond to this? How do I respond to this? How do I respond to this? Great, it, it happens. But I don't think in our faith, when we talk about spiritual wisdom, when we talk about confidence, I don't think we want to be reactionary. I think we want to pray that God would fill us with spiritual wisdom so that when those things come, we already know what to do. We've already made a habit of godly wisdom. We've already made a habit of doing the right things. Sometimes we feel like we're barely staying afloat. And I think when Paul talks about spiritual wisdom here, that that God would give us all knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we would not be people who just react to things, try to stay ahead of things, try to stay, keep our head above water, but that we would be calm, or we'd be calm, strong, confident believers who would have spiritual wisdom. And he continues, and it just gets better and stronger. In verse 10, he says that if you do this, and as we pray for you, in verse 10, we pray this, that you would live a life worthy of the Lord. And not just worthy, but that you would please him in every way. That you would not just be fulfilling your own desires, your own passions, but the passions of the Lord and the passions the Lord has given you. That you would not just be pleasing, but fully pleasing to God. That you would bear fruit with all God's power and all God's glorious might. That our lives would be things, this is the the thing that Jesus says and that Paul continues throughout the New Testament, that, that we must bear fruit. Right? What happened to the fig tree that didn't bear fruit? Jesus got mad at it and cursed it. He said, no, what point is a tree if it doesn't bear any fruit? And he says here, if it, as we pray for each other, as, you, as we pray for one another, we pray for spiritual wisdom that we would bear fruit in every good work, and that we would know the knowledge of God, that we would have confidence in the knowledge of God. You know, I once heard a pastor say that the, the passage in Galatians, and I'm not a Greek expert, but I don't, our, our, our resident Greek expert, Jordash, isn't here today, so he can't correct me. Um, the, 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 the passage in Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, self-control, that the plural of that word fruit is actually acts. It's the acts of the Spirit. It's, it's the outpouring of the Spirit in our life is all of these things. And so when I think about the fruit of the Spirit, when I think about a passage like this where Paul is saying that we would bear much fruit in our life, that our life would reflect the power of the Holy Spirit to the people around us. That we would be joyful, passionate, loving, caring, gentle people who have confidence. Who have confidence in our Lord. And what else does it lead to? Well, look at verse 11. It just gets better. It says, being strengthened with all power. So when you have God's spiritual wisdom, you will be strengthened. You will have the power of God inside of you. And you will have all power according to his glorious might so that you can have endurance, patience, and joyfully give thanks to the Father. So when we pray for one another, 
and we pray for spiritual wisdom and guidance, not only does it bear fruit in our life to benefit other people. So we're helping the world. We're being missional. We're praying for them. We're loving them. But on top of that, it makes us enduring, patient people who are joyful. Who among us doesn't want to have these things? Who among us doesn't want to have someone describe you as, oh, that person is so patient. Oh, that person is so joyful. Oh, man, that person, no matter what, man, they just keep going. They, they just endure no matter what the Lord puts in front of them. And the Apostle Paul says that when we lift each other in prayer, when we pray for each other, we should pray that we can endure all things in patience and with joy. That we do not fight against the calling of God on our lives. We do not fight against the things that are difficult, but that we do them with patience and joyfully. Not just reacting to that which is around us, but having confidence. And then in verse 12, it just keeps building, and he says that this also, we want to be joyful people that give thanks to the Father. We want to be those people who give thanks. We want to be one of those people who prays, who thanks God, who gives credit where credit is due, knowing that it's not us. Knowing that it's Christ who does it in us, because as we talked about last week, in verse 13, he says, because it's this Jesus who has delivered us from darkness. And because of Easter, what we celebrated last week, he has forgiven all of our sins. Let confidence abound. Let us have more and more confidence that this is the way. He has given us all we need, all we will ever need. And when we lift each other up in prayer, when we desire spiritual wisdom from the Lord, we become enduring, patient, joyful people who give thanks and bear much fruit. He's given us all we need. And what's great about this is, is we can use this as sort of a template for prayer. You know, Jesus gave us a great prayer that we pray every Sunday morning in the morning service. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, it's a great prayer. But this is a pretty cool prayer too. If we look at Colossians 1, and I don't know if anyone's written about this, and I don't know if anyone's thought of this before, I'm sure someone has, but I was thinking, man, what if we just prayed for each other this way? What if we prayed for ourselves this way? Quick side note. I've talked about this before, but when was the last time you prayed for you, earnestly prayed for you? I remember one time I had a mentor ask me that, and he just asked me, when was the last time you prayed for you, prayed for your spirituality, your relationship with God? You weren't worried about other people and people who are sick and other people around the world. And he said, you know, Jesus, he prayed for himself too. It's okay to pray for yourself. You know, the, the, the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus said, Lord, give me strength. Remember when we were talking about minor characters of the Bible, we talked about the father with the sick child in Mark chapter 9. And the father wisely goes to Jesus and he says, Lord, help my own belief. It's good to pray for yourself. And so I would encourage you to use this list to pray for yourself and pray for others. Think about this. Let's just go through. I'm just going to go through sort of bullet points. This is what Paul says. This is how we should pray for each other. This is how we, I believe we get confidence in our faith. He says, first, thank the Lord for the person. Right? This is what Paul does in Colossians. He thanks the Lord for them and for who God made them to be. And then he says, I will continually pray for you. So we continually, we consistently commit to praying for people and to be people who pray. And then we ask God, not just, okay, God, you know, show them your love. We ask them to fill 
We ask God, fill that person I'm praying with with the knowledge of your will through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We, we pray for the person that they would live a life pleasing to God, that they would bear fruit in their life. Or another way to, to understand that that we've talked about in here a lot is that they would bring the kingdom of God to earth. We pray that they would grow in knowledge, that they would be strengthened in power, that they would have endurance and patience, that they would be joyful and thankful people, and they would share the things they've been given, and they would live in the kingdom of Jesus forever and be forgiven and be free. Man, what a list. What a great list. I mean, it's one thing if, if we say to someone, okay, I'm going to pray for you because there's a specific need. It's another thing. What if we lifted people up? In this way? What if our best friends, our spouses, our, our parents, our brothers and sisters, whomever, we prayed this list for them? What if you prayed this list for yourself? What if you took five minutes every day and prayed this list for yourself that you would be confident in the Lord? That you would ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will, that you would live a life pleasing to God, that you would bear great fruit in your life that you would be strengthened in power, that you would have endurance and patience, that you would be a joyful, thankful person, and that you would experience the kingdom of heaven every day on earth. I think life would be different. I think, <laughs> I think life would be different. Yeah, when we talk about confidence, we talk about our confidence in the Lord, and if we pray this way and we pray for things confidently, I believe that God is there for us. I believe that his, his desire for us is that we believe this is what God wants. That he has given us all that we need and that we should pray for each other. We should pray for ourselves. We should pray for the church. What's more, imagine taking it a step further. Imagine praying this prayer for your enemies. Imagine praying this prayer for the person in life you don't want to see when you go and leave the house. Imagine praying this prayer for your enemy you read about on the news and you think vitriol and hateful thoughts. Or the person who does an unthinkable act somewhere. Imagine praying this prayer for that person. Praying that they would know that Jesus loves them. The same way Jesus loves you. You know, I talk about C.S. Lewis a lot, and there's a reason. Um... One of, one of the things he said that I love, that I use often in my own life, is that he said it's easier to pray for someone you don't like than to spend time with them. I love that so much. <laughs> because there are people in life that drive us crazy, aren't there? There are people in life we would think, I would have no idea. I would have no idea how to go into a prison and preach the gospel. I would have no idea how to, how to go up. I can't speak Swiss German. I can't go to the Kantonschule and stand there and preach the gospel to all these high schoolers. And to be honest with you, that many high schoolers kind of drive me crazy. I mean, I know I work with youth and I love them and they're great, but they, 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 I'm, I'm walking to lunch and they're all over the place and they're loud and they're smoking and I, they drive me crazy. And so you know what? I don't really want to spend time with them. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a rush. I'm going to pray for them. It's a good rule to follow. And I would challenge you, as you pray for people you don't like, to pray this list for them. Pray for them continually. Pray that they would know spiritual wisdom in their life and that it would make them joyful, prophetic believers who love their Lord because He loves them so much. 
Are we willing to pray this list for even the people we don't like on this earth? We should have the confidence God desires this for us and that God desires it for every single person we encounter throughout the day. The person at the grocery store, the person checking out our groceries, the person on the train next to us, the the, the neighbor we don't get along with. This is what God desires for all of us. And especially for those who don't know him. How do we find never-ceasing confidence? It's in prayer. It's bringing ourselves to God. It's bringing our neighbor to God. It's bringing all of these people before the Lord and praying for specific things for them. As our Old Testament reading from Psalm 127 said, God is building up the house. Have confidence, brothers and sisters. God is building the house. Give thanks to the Lord. He's, in, in verse 12, when, the, when Paul prays for the Colossian church, he says this, I'm giving thanks to the Lord who has qualified you. The Lord has qualified you. The Lord has qualified us to do these things. The Lord has qualified us to be people who pray for this world and to be people who intercede on behalf of this world. Have confidence. God is building up the house and he's using you. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you. Man, I love the book of Colossians so much. And as we think now, a week past Easter, Lord, we reflect on your sacrifice and and how you conquered death, Father, and we see the result that we can be confident believers. We can be joyful. We can be patient. We can endure all things. And we can be filled with your knowledge, your wisdom through the power of the Spirit to be people who lead this world to your kingdom. Lord, whatever position you put us in, whatever role you have for us, whatever strengths you have given us, Lord, may we give them to you. May we use them to serve, may we use them to love, may we use them to care for those around us. Lord, may we be trees who bear much fruit, and may that fruit feed and nourish many who need it. Lord, I pray that we would be your hands and your feet, your mouthpiece, your ears, your eyes, your love on this place, which needs it so desperately. Thank you for placing us here this night for this purpose. It's in your name we pray, Father, asking you to do all these things. Amen. As we continue in worship tonight, please, um, like the band,